Last week, we did a baptism, and I love baptisms. They are, they're so much fun, they bring joy, they bring life into the church, uh, they inspire. Like, I get inspired when I see somebody go under the water, you know, when that old person goes down and the new person comes up and there's a new creation and there's something very special going on. I just, I love baptisms. A few years ago, I was doing a baptism uh, we had them all out. I mean, we do them in uh, swimming pools. We've done them out here. We've done them out there. One year, we we wanted to heat it up, and we rigged up this barbecue <laughs> hillbilly heater thing. <laughs> it was, uh, which my dad concocted. So, but so we just we get creative in our baptisms. We had a brand new baptism last week that we that we christened for the very first time. And again, I, I love it. Uh, years ago, when we were out here. Is baptizing this this young woman, and I was like, "Wow, I'm having this incredible sense of deja vu. Like I I feel like I've done this before. I feel like I've baptized this woman before. Like this is the strangest feeling. It must be providence. It must be you know God showing me the future. It's got one of those you know one of those moments where." You ever had a feeling like that where, like, the deja vu feeling, like you, you've, you've experienced this once before? I was having that same experience. It was so vivid, and it was so powerful. And then a little while later, I don't know, a few weeks later, we're going through church photos, and I'm like, wait a minute, I actually did baptize that girl last time. <laughs> and we, we're like, we, just, like, we start going through them more and more and more, it's like, we baptized this young lady at least four times in this church. Like, what in the world is going on? Is she not saved? She doesn't think she's not saved? Like, what? This is so weird. And I know there's probably some of you in the church that have been baptized more than once. Uh, I was against it for the long t- longest time because I think that one baptism should be good enough. Right? If you make that public declaration of faith, if you say, I'm a Christian, and you do it in front of your, your friends and your family and your church family, if you do that, then that should be, like, if you mean it, if it's from the heart, you should, one should be good enough. If you want to go to Israel with me and get baptized in the Jordan, we'll do that too. But um, I got baptized once. I don't have this, this need to get baptized four times. And so I was, like, thinking, I was like, why, why, why does she have this impulse to do this? What, what's going on in this individual where she feels like she needs to do this again? Is it, uh, does she like the attention? And she like, I, I, what was going on? And, and I asked her, and she's like, well, I just like doing it. It makes me feel good. And I guess I, I can understand that because it does feel good. And so I can understand why she'd want to do it again because it feels good. It feels good to be baptized. But then the Lord revealed to me the real reason why she had to get baptized four times. It's because she was out of balance. So it wasn't that she wasn't saved. It was just that she was out of balance in her life. And God wants us to be in balance. If you're, if you are, if you're a believer and if you're trying your hardest to walk with Jesus, 
if you're seeking him daily, if you're building in the, the Sabbath routine, if you're, if you're dedicated to this, you will be drifting more towards balance. And when you, when you find yourself sideways or out of balance, that's a good telltale sign that you need to readjust spiritually. You don't need to get baptized again. Not necessarily in the traditional water way, but you do need to get baptized again in the Spirit. There needs to be a, a reconnection with your first love. And I think that that's probably the impulse. Is like you have, you know, you've got this first love that, that when you first fell in love with Jesus. And so when you are out of balance, it is just the Holy Spirit prompting you to fall in love with Jesus once again. In essence, to, to get baptized once again. I would say not in the ceremonial way, but maybe in God's own way. And it's easy for myself and people that are walking with the Lord, when we see somebody out of balance, it's so easy for us to, to judge them, to look down on them in their journey. And I'm sure I did that. It's like, why does this, why does this gal need to get baptized four times? What's wrong with her? Right? That, that was probably the attitude of my heart. And then, as I was putting this idea together of balance, I, I realized something about my own personal life. Is that, you're not going to believe this. There's times in my life when I'm out of balance. <laughs> yeah, I know. And he thought I was perfect. Like, and I'll, I'll, be, I'll be a transparent pastor right now. I'm a little out of balance right now. I'm a little sideways. Uh, after, su- after Sunday last week, uh, again, it was such a huge win. It was, it, it was such an exciting day. But Monday, I was out of balance. I'm out of balance most Mondays, by the way. But uh, I, I was out of balance. I was sideways. And the interesting thing about me personally, when I, when I, don't, when I feel like my life is lopsided, because, you know, I'm spinning plates, right? You know what I'm talking about? These people that spin plates on sticks. And I've got this church plate that I'm spinning, and I got this family plate that I'm spinning, and I got this other, I gotta start the health plate, and I gotta, you know, the fitness plate I'm spinning, and then I gotta, oh, friends, what are those? Okay, I gotta spin this, this the friend plate, and I'm, I got all these different areas in my life that I'm trying to keep in balance. And if I am spending, this one's gonna be weird for most people, but if I'm spending too much time, just spin in this church plate, right? And then the, the family plate will fall and shatter. Or, you know, the health plate will fall and shatter. <laughs> so, this whole idea of, like, why would she want to get baptized? Why does she need to go under again? And then when the Lord was speaking to me, he showed me something about how I reconnect with God. I connect with God, obviously, in the presence of corporate worship. Like, if you didn't feel a divine spark this morning, let's pray for you. Like, you can feel the presence of God here. This is just tangible. It's thick. 
But in many ways, and for me personally, in better ways, I connect to the divine better in nature than I do in a corporate setting. So it's just me and the Lord out in the woods or something like that. And I'm not saying that this isn't as powerful. It is. It's just different in the way that God has created me. So what I need to rejuvenate myself is I need to be in nature. This is a different type of filling. The corporate setting is a different type of filling for me. But when I need to, catch this, when I need to restore balance into my life, um, I need to get into nature. And you know what's strange? Specifically, I need to get around water. I need to get around water. I know that um, psychologically there's something powerful about being around bodies of water when you're depressed. Uh, I, don't, I, I don't have the studies. I didn't even bother looking. But I, I read it somewhere that if you're around uh, large bodies of water or if you're in water, that your oxytocin levels will just naturally rise. Don't quote me on that. I'm like, like again, <laughs> I should have done my research. But, we do, but I'm pretty confident that we know this. Like if you get around water, then, then your, your being begins to change. You begin to you can equalize a little bit. You begin to find some, some balance. Amen? And so that's what I need when I find that my life is out of whack. I, I, I get in nature, and if I really want to do some heavy lifting, I get in water. And so Monday, I went up to Mount Baldy, Ice House Canyon, and it was just, because this was right after the Right after the big hurricane, right? So it was right after the big hurricane. I'm like, oh, I want to see that volume of water coming out, coming out out that mountain. I want to see that. And it was powerful. Like, it was raging. It was awesome. It might still be raging a little bit, but it was awesome. And it was just, and it was loud, and there were boulders rolling down the creek. My dogs were freaking out. They were having so much fun. Sophia was blissed out. It was a a perfect time for for me to, to... basically go back to church. I went to church on Monday. I'm just thinking to myself, I need to get into that water. And as I'm thinking that, my daughter's like, Dad, you need to get into the water. And so I did. And that water's cold. They call it Ice House Canyon for a reason. And so I got in. It, it was hard, but I got in. And uh, I have a video, but I can't show you because I'm in my underwear. So, but I... <laughs> uh, thing, mental images, you're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> and, I, and I got in slowly at first, and then eventually you just have to take that deep plunge I mean, it is just a shock to the system, right? Like, it is just a brutal, hard shock to the system when you, when you get in that cold water. And not only was it cold, again, it was raging. So it was like a turbo jacuzzi that I was in. Like, you know, and then you get hit by a little rock and like, wait, this is kind of scary. What if a big boulder hits me and takes me out? But it was just so awesome just to have that, that power, that rush of the water just going over me and dumping, you know, completely plunging in. Uh, 
even though it's a shallow creek, there is something about the depth of that place and being the depth in the water that is transformative. Other times I'll go to Lake Arrowhead and you know, I'll jump in that lake. I lost my Apple Watch there around December. I was so bummed out about that and, and, I, and I tried to get it and this is right after the snow melt off and it was freezing. Like, like there, was, there was some ice, a little bit remnants of ice left on the lake and it was so cold and I tried to get my watch and it was deep, like it was deep, but I couldn't get it. But there's something, uh, can I use the word magical? Spiritual, how about that? There's something spiritual about being in deep waters for, for me. And I've noticed at other times when I've been sideways. Even when I having a hard time hearing God's voice. This isn't going to sound so silly, but I just think God can use silly things to connect to him. Like one of the silly things that I do is I, as I, go, to the, I go to the gym and I jump into the Olympic pool and I just sink down to the bottom. And in the Olympic pool, there is a cross that you swim towards. And I just sit there and I just rest in that water so, in essence, when I'm out of balance, I just get baptized again. And it reconnects me to, to the love of God. It reconnects me to, to peace. And then I get a strategy on how to get all these plates back up on their sticks, on, on how, to, how to find where I have you know, spent too much time in certain areas and neglected other areas. It will begin to highlight, like the, the, the decisions become easier when, when you find yourself in the peace and the presence of God. You're not as confused. Get your Bibles out, and we're going to read what Jesus says about baptism. fails, huh? <laughs> you think I'd learn by now. All right, I'm going to make it work. You're about to see Pastor Josh get out of balance here in a second. <laughs> so... <laughs> That's all. That helps too. Water and dogs. Oh, here we go. John fourteen twenty four. Gospel of John, chapter fourteen, verse twenty four. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teachings. Okay, pretty straightforward. If you love Jesus, you're going to obey his teachings. Just figure that out. It's all there. It's all black and white. It's in the book. You guys, you guys got one, right? 
These words that you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything that I have said to you. So this is great because we get taught all things. Everything that you need to know, you can learn from your advocate. Who's the advocate? Holy Spirit. Peace I leave you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. And do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid. So... Uh, this word peace is actually what we're going to be focusing on today. So, um, balance. When we're talking about living the balanced life, right? When we're, fi- when we're talking about finding some, some equilibrium and some holistic health, when we want to live our lifestyle in a healthy way that encompasses all major areas, career, family, spirituality, body, emotional strength, like when we're thinking about being healthy in all of these areas, it is actually, uh, balance isn't the right word because it's not the biblical word. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach you the biblical word for balance today. The biblical word is a powerful word. And once we get this biblical word, once we replace the, the concept of of you know, living a balanced life with the, with the true biblical sense of what it means to live a balanced life. Once we get this, I believe in all of my heart that it would be completely transformative to you. Like, we want balance, but li- like in short, if you, don't, if, you, if you have balance without the Lord, then you're going to be confused. When Jesus says, my peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, now that's a, that's a powerful statement. Now, peace is something that that we want to go after. Like, we want, we want peace on earth. You know, we want peace in our homes. We want peace in, in the workplace. We want peace at school. Like, we want, like, peace is, uh, like, it's one of the Beatitudes. Uh, who inherits the earth? It's the peacekeepers, peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. They'll inherit the earth. So, peace is an amazing goal to achieve. Uh, how many have more than one kid at home? And some and your kid, do your kids fight? Never. I got it. Okay, so sometimes some kids are perfect and they never fight. But have you ever prayed this prayer? God, would you just give me peace in my home and quit making my kids fight against each other? Right. That's all. You're just praying that your kids will quit fighting. Right. So that is that's an atmosphere of peace. Right. That will bring some balance into your home if your kids quit fighting and driving you crazy. But that balance is not the deeper balance that we're going through. That's not the peace that Jesus is talking about here. The peace that Jesus is talking about here, yes, A, it is peace on earth, right? It is, you know, laying down your weapons, laying down your arguments, seeking peace over conflict, some of us are conflict-driven, like we thrive on conflict, we thrive on drama, like if there's an argument, we want to be a part of it, 
But God wants us to move less towards strife and more towards unity. Now, and see, that's the key right there. So this biblical idea of balance and peace is not just the ending of fighting. It is also the beginning of cooperation. So God might answer your prayers and your kids won't be fighting in the living room, but they're not cooperating with each other. They might not be fighting, but they still don't like each other. So God's peace is, is a stronger peace because it will, it will reconcile the fight, but then it will also bring in unity and love and cooperation. So wouldn't it be nice if your kids quit fighting, but they also did the dishes together? I mean, what a miracle that would be, right? And so this is the idea of God's peace. And we're going to look at the ancient word, the very special and powerful word. And maybe you've heard it. That word is shalom. So shalom is this, shalom is better than balance by far. Shalom is is a deeper kind of peace. It is a transformative peace. Shalom is is the Hebrew word for peace. There is a Greek word. I'm not going to, we don't have time to get into that Greek one, but we are going to get into the Hebrew word for balance and peace. And that word, again, is shalom. Shalom is defined as being complete, being whole, being an individual of integrity, not only balanced, but full and complete. Shalom is God's will for your life, a a completeness, a wholeness, an integrity, a strength, where all of your plates are spinning all at the same time, and it's coming together perfectly. But the way that they define shalom in the scriptures is that shalom is like, you're going to love this, shalom is like a perfect piece of granite, like Granite Creek. It's a perfect piece of granite without any cracks in it, without any, it, without any insecurities, without any uh, pieces that might crumble. It's, it's solid and it's strong. That is a shalom rock. The other way to think about it, the other way that they describe it is they describe it as, being a, as a wall, a shalom wall. It, the wall around the city, the wall around Jerusalem is a shalom wall. It is a complete wall. It, it's full of integrity. It is whole. When, when Hezekiah restored the wall, when before the bad guys came in, they shalomed the wall. They built it back together. They restored it back to wholeness. Amen? And this is what God wants to do with us. He wants to shalom you. He doesn't want to just give you peace. He doesn't want to just make you feel better. He doesn't want to just take out the strife and the violence and the the anxiety out of your heart. Of course, he wants to do that, but he wants to replace it and he wants to make you whole and stronger and bigger. He's going to take that negative stuff out, but he is going to replaster you with something better. He's going to bring wholeness back into you. 
It's everything in its right place at the right time. God is a God of order. He likes things all ordered and neat and tidy. He's a God of order, and he wants to bring all of these things back into alignment with you. When I was, I knew I wanted to, uh, I, you know, I wanted to talk about the, the concept of balance, but immediately I wanted to go to Shalom when I started working on this. So if you're taking notes, and you might want to take some notes today, if you're taking notes, the title of, your, of the bulletin says The Balanced Life, and that's intentional. I'm giving you permission to cross out that balanced and write in Shalom. Because we're going to talk about the shalomed life. And when I started thinking about the peace of God, the shalom of God, when I began to work on the message, I thought to myself, I wonder, I wonder if shalom is connected in any way to baptism. I wonder if it's connected to water in any way. And so, I did a word study on the, on the word shalom, and we're going to do, do it together. How does that sound? All right, so let's bring up the word shalom, Crystal, our first little graphic. It's a pretty little graphic. There it is. Shalom. It's that peace of God, right? Before I start, I want to make something crystal clear. I am not a Hebrew scholar <laughs> or a Greek scholar or a linguistics nerd. And if you are an English linguistics nerd, don't get used to this kind of stuff because I can't do this because I have dyslexia and I have a short attention span, so I can't do this this long. But this word is fascinating, so we're going to do a little word study. If you want to do an in-depth Hebrew language word study, uh, talk to my wife or, you know, we can do that. But this isn't going to be an every Sunday thing. But this is, you got to see this. Okay, so... Another reason why I can't do this because of my dyslexia is because it's all backwards. So they write backwards. I don't know how they do that, but that's what they do. They write backwards. Um, and this is the Hebrew language. This is, I know it looks like old and antique, but this is actually modern Hebrew. There's several different layers of Hebrew. There's um, like a, a proto-paleo-Hebrew, and it's more like Egyptian hieroglyphs. It's more pictorial. So the very Hebrew steals from a couple, like three different languages. But it was definitely pictorial originally. So it was symbols that represented things that they saw in nature. And the first character, which, again, it's backwards. So this is the SH right here. And this is called the Shem or Sin. So you can call it Sin if you want, but it's not the Sin that... Uh, never mind. I know. <laughs> but it's pronounced sin. And it has a an image that it's representing. So put that put a um, Crystal, let's go to the next one. All right, here it is right here. Here's the, the shin or the sin. This is the SH sound for the word shalom. All right. What does it look like to you? 
I have a boat. I have a flower. A trident. A crown. The Trinity. What was that? People standing. Who said fire? Yes, he got it. Everybody else is wrong. So <laughs> that's it. So it's fire. And specifically, uh, initially it was uh, teeth. So it's a, it was a, almost like a destructive type of a symbol, but then it gets translated into fire. And this, word, this, this character, not only does it have a couple, it's, it's like the language is so complex. That's another reason why I would never delve into it. I think I would lose my mind if I tried to figure this whole thing out. But like every character has multiple definitions, and every character has a significant meaning. This is also El Shaddai. This is like a place name for God. So the, instead of saying or spelling out, you know, Yahweh or Jehovah or whatever, they'll just, they'll just put this symbol in. This is God Almighty. Just that one symbol. The very beginning of the word is God Almighty in symbolic form. And it is representative of fire. And, and I think that this is a timely message for us because of what we had to deal with a couple weeks ago with the fires of Lahaina. So why in the world, why in the world would, for the beginning of peace, would they start with such a destructive element, fire? Well, it's because done right, um, there's some incredible balance to fire. If it wasn't fire, none of you would be here today. Fire is what makes us better monkeys, because we make fire. I'm, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. But fire, they're able to, to, to create fire, harness fire, control fire, that's what separates us from the animal kingdom. Our ability to use it. You used it this morning when you got up and you turned your light bulb on. You created fire. You used it when you drove here today to church your combustion engine in your car created fire. Fire brings warmth and nutrition. It's how we cook our food. Fire is, is health and powerful. And so that was the first element. The next one, let's go to the next slide. This is the very end of the, the word. Um, this is mev, okay? So... Crystal, go back to the, the, the pretty picture. All right, pretty picture. Shem, and then that one's Mev. And Mev is where I discovered, now I'm sure somebody else discovered it too, but I discovered this on my own, on my own little study time, so I'm really excited about it. I should write a book. But the Mev... I'll go back to the pretty picture, Crystal. Is defined as the waters. Mev is the waters. Interesting, right? And, of course, our natural inclination is to think that water is a positive thing, Right? It's not a positive thing when there's a tsunami. It's not a positive thing when it floods your house. It's not a, 
it's not a positive thing um, when you get swallowed by a fish and you're in, the, you know, you're in the bottom of the ocean for three days. In fact, I think that Americans, specifically Southern Californians, we have a really uh, positive relationship with water. Like, like, it's awesome. We know that we need it. We know that we need it to water our lawns and fill our pools, and we know we need to hydrate or dehydrate, right? So, and speaking of that, could somebody get me a bottle of water? <laughs> they, getting the dry mouth here. So we, we love water. Now, the ancient Hebrews had a love-hate relationship with water. They needed it because, well, yeah, they lived in the desert. But they also feared it. The ancient, the ancient Hebrews were not a seafaring people. They were not sea people. Their enemies were sea people. The Philistines were the sea peoples, and they were like basically the Vikings of the, of the ancient world, and they, they tormented the Israelites all the time. And so the Israelites actually had a legitimate fear of the sea. They even believed that it was the hand of God that was holding back the waves from the ocean. And they had this insecurity. So they, the, Israel, the ancient Israelites were not surfers. They had this fear that the waves were going to come and just take them. And kind of like, you know, our flash flood warnings that we had, well, they have those too in Israel. Like, there were these wadis, and if there was a flash flood, then you just, you, you could lose everything in half a second. And so, yeah, they loved water, but they also feared it at the same time. Thank you. And so, this, again, this is the modern symbol for water. And again, I know it looks like an antique, but that's modern Hebrew. All right, now let's go to the next one. All right, here's the modern symbol. This is a later transition of it. This is Middle Hebrew, like Middle Ages, and that's Paleo-Hebrew. What does that look like? It looks like Charlie Brown. <laughs> it's supposed to symbolize water, so it's all symbolic, right? It's all symbolic. Now, what I love about this word shalom is that it's booked end by two major elements, fire and water. Isn't that kind of cool? So the word for peace literally includes polar opposites, fire and water, two forces that either can destroy you or heal you. It's fascinating, I think. So those are the two major characters. Let's go back to the pretty, the pretty picture. I think that in our lives of trying to spin plates, trying to find balance, trying to find some equilibrium in our lives. It's easy to get frustrated. Have you ever been frustrated about the balance in your life or the lack of balance in your life? Finding, okay, has anybody ever done it? where you've had all six plates spinning at the same time and you've kept it going for a long time? Like every once in a while, in a blue moon, we have the, we have the capability of having everything work out just right. Isn't that an amazing experience? Like everything just, it just falls into its place. Everything finds its proper order. 
Your, you know, your financial situation is all in line. Your health is great. Your relationships are healthy. Everything just seems to be lined up. The stars have lined up and you're good. How long does that actually last? It's frustrating, huh? Because once you feel like that you have completed balance and peace, once you think that you've got the shalom, and then it just kind of all falls apart, and you're like, where, where did that all go? What, how, do I get, how do I get back to that? This is how you do it. You guys have to work harder. Quit being lazy. It's all your fault. The truth of, about life is that, and Jesus says it too, in this, in this world you will have trouble. In this world you're going to have tension. But do not be afraid. I've overcome the world. Okay? So this is, this is one of Jesus' promises to us. He's like, you're gonna, like life is going to be hard. And when you're spinning plates, another way that I want you to think about it is that you're dealing with tension in your life. Now, Tension, hardship, work, uh, warfare, like that's a part of life. And in fact, this is not necessarily the feel-good message. In fact, you need it. You have to have tension in your life. That's how God's wired us. Um, We have to have spiritual warfare in our life or else we're not going to be happy like you need to be fighting what was david's big fault remember the story about david and Bathsheba? where should have david have been he should have been on the front lines in the battlefield but he got everything was going good all thing everything fell into alignment his kingdom was established you know everybody was happy and so he took a vacation and he stayed home and and where did, where was where did he fall he didn't fall on the battlefield He fell on the roof. And so, whether we like it or not, we have to have a level of tension in our lives. And it's like a kite that is is connected. And there's that tautness in the kite. If there is no tension, that kite cannot sail. That kite cannot fly. And so we have to be okay and used to this level of tension in our lives. And pursuing shalom is the key to maintaining a healthy, balanced level of tension. You need to be like, okay, I need to have, I need to balance the fire and I need to balance the water. I need to have this healthy tension in my life in order to move forward. Like, this is what we need. You, you've got, we've got to, you got to have it or else you're going to just fall to the ground. In your attempts, like, we have to seek peace, right? We, this is what we're called to seek. Seek first the kingdom of God. You seek peace. You seek his, his spirit. You seek his attitude. We have to have the peace of God ruling and reigning in our lives. And so it is a constant mindset that we are seeking peace. And not just, you know, avoidance of conflict. We're seeking unity. We're seeking the shalom. It's a constant state, mindset. Um, Here's the truth. You cannot attain it. The truth of the matter is, no matter how much integrity and unity and peace and and connectedness, uh, no matter how strong you want your life to be, you can't achieve it. I know, it's like a bummer, right? It's like, 
what am I here, what am I here doing then, Pastor Josh, if you're telling me I can't achieve this thing? We all want that balance. We want that balanced life, but we literally can't achieve it. You might be able to get it going every once in a while, but the walls are going to fall down again. It's kind of frustrating, huh? Knowing that this thing that you deeply desire, the thing that you want most is that, that shalom, that balance, that peace, the, the unity, the integrity of soul. Um, you know, you want to be all zenned out. Like, like the New Agers, they're never going to find it, folks. They're never going to find it. It doesn't matter how many crystals they lick, they're never going to find it. (laughs) And we seek certain things to do it. We seek certain powers to find the balance. But the only power is fire and water. John 3, 5 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Kingdom of God is where all the resources are. All of your answered prayers are in the kingdom of God. And so, unless you are born of water and the Spirit, unless you're baptized in water, again, I don't want to get into the, 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 the... arguments about water baptism. Does water baptism save you? Uh, like We think it's symbolic, uh, but I do know what does save you is... Yeah, let's pass that. I got the water baptism uh, sign up there. There we go. Pass that around. There we go. Because I'm talking about does it save you or not. I don't believe that it does save you, but what I do believe saves you is the Spirit of God which comes upon you and baptizes you. So this is fascinating, what Jesus says. Unless... One is born of water and the Spirit. They can't enter in the kingdom of God. So, unless... Let me just leave my little pretty picture up, Crystal. Unless you are born of this, you can't enter the kingdom of God. There's got to... Like, again, this is water. What in the world are we talking about? And this, is like the, this is like the Ruach of God. This is an expression of a form of the Holy Spirit, which is water. So unless you're born of this, you can't, you can't access the thing of God. You can't, you can't go to heaven. You get to go to heaven now or you get to go to heaven later. It's all here and accessible for us. John the Baptist says something very interesting about baptism too. In Matthew 3, 11, he says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he that comes after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. Okay, you guys ready for this? And he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. So, that's this one. So we have fire, we have water. Now what I haven't talked about are these other two symbols. Okay, before I talk about the other two symbols... Let me make something again crystal clear. Um, not only can you not save yourself, you cannot achieve unity, harmony, peace, shalom in this world by yourself either. But you can receive it. 
You you can't achieve salvation, but you can receive it. You cannot work for God's love, but you can receive it. And shalom and peace, you can't go to enough self-help conferences and read enough books to to become a peaceful person. Again, it's going to fail. You have to receive God's peace. This is what I think, this is what I discovered. I'm sure somebody else discovered it before me. Whatever. I'm taking the credit. This symbol, let's see, what's that symbol called? See, I told you I wasn't a Hebrew scholar. I'll have to look it up. Lamed, L-A-M-E-D. That symbol is called Lamed. And it's proto-paleographic was that of, you ready? You guys ready for this? Of a shepherd's staff. This is the good shepherd. It's made out of wood. It is an element. And you ready for the next one? This is the vav. Um, All right, we'll try this again. What does that one look like? Anyone want to take a guess what that one looks like? It's black. All right, I was going to tell you. What, what? No. It's a spike. It's a nail. So the fascinating thing about, like, the literal spelling of this word shalom is that you have all the four major elements. You have fire, water, organic material, and, and earth. And then, like, I'm going to go ahead and push it. Like, if you want balance, if you want the balance between fire and water, then you need to have a good shepherd who is pierced on the cross for the forgiveness of your sins. And that is how you receive the shalom of God. Can you see it? Like, Jesus is in the right, he's in the big middle of it. And so if you're desperately seeking the peace of God, Philippians 4, 7 says, the peace of God, which is what we want. The peace of God transcends all of our understanding, right? Like you're working and you're trying to understand how to have a peaceful life, how to have some balance in your life. Like you were just like, I just need to have balance in my life. I'm an emotional wreck and I'm all over the place. You want that, you want that peace of God? It transcends your ability to logically figure it out. It, it transcends all of our understanding, all of our experience, And then you know what it does next? It's not us that does it. What it it does next is that it guards your heart and your mind in what? In Christ Jesus. Those two little symbols in the middle. It it guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Look, we're going to go through some turbulent times. You're going to go through trying times that will stretch your faith, that will hurt your heart, that will challenge your faith. And if you do not have the shalom of God, if you don't have His peace, your peace will utterly fail you. You have to have His peace. Back to the scripture that I opened with. Now it will probably make a little more sense. Ephesians 4, 
The Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things. He'll teach you how to spin those plates. And he will remind you of everything that I have said. Peace. Okay, I'm going to... Now, this is the Greek word, but they translated it from the Hebrew word, so let's go ahead and plug it in. Shalom, I leave with you. My shalom, I give you. And I do not give as the world gives. So do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. Shalom. You, today, in this moment, have the opportunity to receive the shalom of God. That shalom which transcends all of your craziness, you can receive it. You can, in this moment, you can become whole without working for it. Isn't that, isn't that a powerful thought? that you can become whole without even working for it? And when the peace of God comes on you, when the Holy Spirit takes control, He'll tell you what to work on. You know, it's like, okay, now that we have, um, now that we have you in a peaceful mindset, now that we have you in a, in a pure shalom state, now let's bring some order to the, other, to the rest of the areas of your life. Now, now when, when the shalom state, the Holy Spirit will tell you, okay, now is the time to go on the diet so that your body comes into alignment. When you're in the shalom state, the Holy Spirit will say, now is the time to reconcile, reconcile that relationship. When you're in the shalom state, it will say, now is the time to take a break and rest. Now is the time to restore some equilibrium back into your life. How, how, how do you guys do that? How do you connect with shalom in your life? How do you allow God to shalom you, to build your walls back up? Do you, do you um, well, this is a good start. Like corporate worship, like for, again, it, it does it for you. Maybe you're a little bit like me, you know, you're kind of all over the place, like you love worship, but you feel like you need a little bit more. Maybe you need nature. Maybe you need to go jump in a pool. Uh, for others, you're, you might be able to reach your shalom state in the context of a small group where you're sharing your life with somebody else, where you can allow not only God to speak to you through the scripture, but you can be brave enough to allow people to speak to you who are hearing from God. Like, a lot of people find huge fulfillment in being connected to one another. Maybe that's where you need to be. Maybe you need to be connected with somebody. Some of us get into a deep shalom state by studying the Scripture. Maybe, maybe some of you like need to find some words like shalom and do a deep dive and see what God will tell you in that. The peace of God, again, it's impossible for us to achieve, but we can receive it for free. So let's just do that. Let's just receive the shalom of God. 
Let's uh, not only allow God to win our battles, but let's allow God to bring unity into our lives. And let's just see what could take place. All right, let's get the band to come on up. And then... I, sometimes I, I send you guys off with this blessing. I'm going to read it, and then after the music, I'll, I'll actually pray the prayer of blessing. Um, oh, uh, Crystal, can we bring up that rock again, the Shem or the Sen? Okay, see that there? Okay, it's fire, right? And it's symbolic. Um, it is... Again, it's a place name for God himself, a character for God himself, one of the many. But it's also the beginning of the blessings. Did you know uh, at, at the end of every service, when I, when I bless you, either with the, the priestly blessing from Deuteronomy, may the Lord keep you and guide you, may he cause his face to shine upon you, to turn towards you in your times of need, that that is a shalom, that is, that is a, that's the priestly blessing. And most of the time when I do that, I'm, I, I raise my hands out like this, right? Um, this is, you guys, this, it's okay to laugh. But this is what the priests would do when, when they would shalom their congregation. It's true. And like literally, Leonard Nimoy ripped this off because he had to go to Jewish school. So this is not the sign for Vulcan. This is the sign for the Shalom blessing. Because, it, because it's like the character, right? It's the three little points right here. And so when you receive that Shalom of God, just, just know that it, it, it's coming from God to you. You are not coming to God. It's coming, the blessing is coming from God to you. And so this is one of the blessings that I give when I raise my hands to you. It's from uh, 2 Thessalonians 3.16. And I'm going I'm to change the word out. Now may the Lord of Shalom himself give you shalom at all times. How does that feel? Wouldn't it, be love, wouldn't it be great to get shalomed at all times? You know that that's God's will and his desire that we're in a constant state of shalom? The Lord will be with you. All right, let's grab our communion element. And this is where the peace of God really comes from. Did you know that Jesus is characterized as being many things, as our king, as a warrior, as our savior, as God? But he also came to be a servant. And so he came to serve. He came as a good shepherd. There's depictions in early Christianity of Jesus being the good shepherd and he puts the lamb on his shoulders to carry the lamb wherever it needs to go, to take the body wherever it needs to go. 
and that shepherd and his, that shepherd's staff was broken for you so that you can be in relationship with him, a bodily, holistic relationship with him. God wants to love you, mind, body, soul, and strength, and that's what this represents. This is the body of Christ that was broken and bruised for you so that you could do community like this, receive the body of Christ, and stay connected to it. I really do believe that the pictographic writing of that word shalom was a prophetic message for us of finding peace and balance of being baptized not only by water but being baptized by spirit knowing that we have a good shepherd in the middle of it all but it is the piercing of his hands and it is that shedding of innocent blood that only gets us into right relationship with him you don't have peace in your life there's a good chance that you have sin in your life so let's do a little business with God and let's just ask God to forgive us of our sins the Holy Spirit will highlight what that is and that you need to pay attention to it so in your in your mind confess your sin to the Lord and receive the blood of Jesus Christ that washes it away and makes it a perfect, spotless, crackless piece of granite that is pure perfection. This is how we get back into the right relationship with God. This is how everything comes together. It is only by the blood of Jesus Christ. Receive the blood of Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and the shalom of your life. blessing, you know, this, the <laughs> they would even give you a double blessing. Would you guys like a double blessing? It looks like this. So, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you. May he turn your, may he turn towards you in your times of need. And may he fill your home 
with shalom. Go today in that empowering peace of God which transcends all of your problems. He loves you. He is good. He is able. Receive the peace of God. Receive his shalom. God bless. The offering. Uh, look, if I don't, if I don't pass this bo- this basket, there will be no peace on Tuesday. So, thank you, God, for this offering. I pray that you bless it to its fullest extent. Amen.